All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular Teeners today, talking with Christopher Driscoll on his last day of 2021. We are in 2021, right? And that is because you work at the University of Pittsburgh and you don't have to come back to work until January 4th. Must be nice. That doesn't come that doesn't come out as like paid vacation. Is that paid vacation? That doesn't come out as vacation, right? That's just like comes with the job. Well, I mean, it's typical. We're typically not off that much, but um, uh, universities do give you a pretty nice winter break, and the mm-hmm. university did feel generous to throw some extra days at us at the end of this Super academic cool. year. Super cool. The <laughs> the um, exp- had a little bit of an uh, AWS outage today. Not 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 of any any fault of your own or anything like that, but interesting how it affects uh, how those type of things affect students. If, I mean, what does an AWS, how does that affect, just out of curiosity, outages in, in universities? And, and we'll get into this in a second as to why you're so special and why I really want to talk with you because it's, it's, it's a different kind of dynamic in the, in the, I guess we'd say community, the IT community that you work for. But since it's just happened to come up today, how does a, how does a cloud outage affect a university? Yeah, I mean, just like a lot of businesses, I mean, a lot of our services that we subscribe to um, are hosted in the cloud, and those are typically hosted in one of the big server farms, if it's AWS or Azure or Google. Um, So I think uh, the Canvas platform is hosted in AWS, which is uh, an LMS system, learning management system that you know, our campus uses and a lot of campuses do. So when those go down, we go down with it. Um, but again, I, we were talking earlier, I think it's so infrequent that uh, it doesn't, it still wouldn't push me away from the cloud. Um, but there has been a couple this semester. So hopefully it's not a... Let's go back in time. <laughs> let's, go, let's go back in time for a second. Back to when you were in college and I was in college. None of this mattered. An outage was like, eh, go to the library yeah. and use the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> you know? yeah, I think we had, uh, we had blue books or something that we used to write in, I guess, back in the day. Blue books. Oh, my gosh. That's, That's a nightmare. Remember those things? That's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have recurring nightmares tonight. Do you ever have those recurring nightmares where you're like, where, where you, you show up for an exam and you realize that you haven't gone to a single class all semester and then you've just found out that you were in this class and you show up on the last day of exam and the teacher's like, oh, Mr. Howard, so nice for you to have joined us this semester. Here's your test. And you're going through like abacadabba, like a, remember abacadabba? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anywho. Um, but it is amazing now how much a university, how much technology affects the students. Now you... You don't really have, you have this title of director of, you know, of technology at the University of Pittsburgh, but you have department relationship manager as a, as a title underneath, which is, um, let, let's just got, kind of go over the, the university network in general and what IT looks like at a large university. And I find it fascinating because typically when you think IT, you think IT of a particular company all kind of doing the same thing. But you have multiple different departments. You have, I don't know, biology or sciences 
departments, you have business, you've got English or, you know, whatever. What do we call that? The the humanities. You know, mm-hmm. we have these different departments, all with very special needs. How does that even work? I mean, from an IT perspective, how do you guys make that all work? And how do you, you know, from an end user perspective, you've got students as end users, you've got uh, faculty, and then you've got all these different departments and all these different needs. To me, it sounds like a nightmare, but you guys all make it work and probably have fun doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, I've worked at four different universities and they all were you know, big enough that there was a central IT organization and then the larger departments and schools, you know, five, generally five schools makes up a university, five or more. Um, and they each have their own IT operation or people that uh, are employed by those departments to just focus on their own needs, whether it's equipment or systems or support or, or whatever. Um, there was an IT survey at the University of Pittsburgh, which is a very big uh, research institution, at least the biggest I've worked at. <clears throat> Um, I think there was 700 and some IT people and Guys, I'm recording. half of those were in the central IT. So there's, you know, uh, <laughs> half the IT folks around campus are, are running around doing their own thing. Um, now the central IT generally runs the network and the infrastructure backbone and uh, enterprise services, whether it be authentication, things like that. <clears throat> um but so I worked in the the business school, which had a pretty robust IT organization. We had you know, about ten folks running uh, our own web applications, our own desktop support, operation help desk, uh, Salesforce org, um, classroom support. Um, and over the last year, we've merged into the central IT because there's initiative to kind of centralize a lot of services, and it makes sense because we're we're doing a lot of the same work. There's a lot of overlap. Um, so just describe that real gained. quick. D- just describe that real quick. So when we talk about centralizing IT versus, I'm assuming versus each school having its own IT department, right? And how how do you do that? <laughs> slowly is how we did it. Um, <laughs> well, slowly, well, yeah, yeah. And can you do it fast <laughs> enough that new technology doesn't come out and doesn't that that's it? That's actually what you just said is kind of this interesting thing we all deal with on a, on a daily basis. How do we make change fast enough that it's beneficial without it taking so long to make a change that by the time we make the change, it's already, I don't, what do you call it, antiquated or siloed into some other thing? How do we change well, fast I mean, enough? Yeah, well, I mean, universities are not known for changing very quickly. That's a common thread mm-hmm. no matter where you are. Um, I imagine there are some that probably are very dynamic and move quickly on, on change, but uh, you know, a lot of them have been around for hundreds of years and it's just not the way of that, that work is done at universities. But um, uh, you know, we're trying to change that ideally by being all part of the same organization. We could be a little more agile and nimble and uh, move on a dime a lot faster. Um, when we were in our own IT or smaller IT organization, we did move pretty nimble. So that's one of the things I'm really hoping that we can bring over to the the larger enterprise in terms of being able to shift as uh, as needs change, as new technology is available. I like to you know, be able to pilot it in a smaller fashion and 
and see if it has enterprise, you know, capabilities. <clears throat> and you think about it like uh, often things are tried out at the smaller school levels uh, to see if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the schools are doing the same thing or want to be doing the same thing. So uh, if we can kind of scale that up, I think there's a lot of opportunity to uh, push the envelope. I mean, if you can't try new stuff at a university, where, where can you try it, right? Yeah. Um, so, so give me an idea then. There, there is this, this kind of aspect of these schools and colleges or your smaller, your smaller kind of like test environments, getting to test things out and then kind of move them up further to the university level. Can you give me an example of where you've done that? Yeah, I think uh, some, some of the classroom AV technology, um, we've, we've tried some things that I think are kind of more towards the future. Um, you know, because a lot of, you know, all of the universities moved online during the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And now students got a taste of, you know, whether long-term they're going to want to continue to, you know, kind of dial into a, a class that they can't be there if they don't want to be there in person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the kind of hybrid classroom capabilities that really does make the student feel like they're in the classroom, but remote. Um, it also presents a lot of opportunities for, um, you know, to kind of expand your your base, right? You know, the, the students that could attend if, you know, say they're in another country or whatever, um, you can offer coursework to them if they're not there. But, you know, Zooming is not, you know, I think acceptable long-term. So you need to be able to deliver a kind of a more immersive experience. So we've been piloting um, a kind of a next-gen classroom in the business school. And I think it has uh, scalability across campus. So I, I think I think what you brought up is a, I wonder how many organizations, universities or not, healthcare, hospitals, different organizations that are larger, actually pilot, test various different programs without rolling it to out, out throughout the entire organization. Uh, I just mean, and just be, it, it would, to me, it would be, make sense and be a good best practice to, of course, do a pilot of multiple different things, maybe simultaneously across different departments to see how that worked. When COVID hit and you had a bunch of people all of a sudden from home, what was the mass migration or sudden strategy? Like, what happened? I'm just curious. Was everyone yeah. like, hey, hey, we're going to do this? Or like, was everyone just kind of like, hey, let's try this. Let's do this. Let's use this. And everyone just like, you know, was it, was it drinking from the fire hose? Was it a bunch of different test things? Was there any organization around it? How did it work? Yeah, I can't speak to other schools at the university, but for us, it was actually fairly painless because we were already had a number of faculty that were teaching online with Zoom. We already had a Zoom license for the entire mm-hmm. school. So we had a lot of faculty that are already pretty familiar with, um, you know, the best practices and the technology. And they were able to kind of work with the faculty that needed a lot more help as well as IT did as well. <clears throat> um, so we basically had, I think a week and a half to get everybody ready. If I remember correctly, it's kind of a blur back in March of 2020, but uh, I think it was a pretty seamless transition. I mean, um, you know, to teach online, 
is more of an art <laughs> than anything to do it to do it well, right? Mm. But to at least get them online, get them connected. Uh, I think it was a fairly painless uh, transition. Uh, the students uh, they obviously adapt pretty quickly uh, to almost anything. So um, for us, it wasn't too bad. I and mean, I heard was it about just emailing every student hey, email do teachers just have an email list now do they just email all their students and text them I mean <laughs> students don't read their email I don't know um, I just don't even think about it anymore yeah I'm sorry hey Instagram group Facebook group I mean really like think about the options that teachers have now of communicating with students I didn't even think about it now you know because th those days for me are gone like what are how are teachers communicating with students most effectively now yeah, like the the Canvas uh, learning management system we had. You know, other lot of campuses use Canvas or Blackboard and mm -hmm. or Moodle. Uh, these different platforms um, that really can deliver a lot of a lot of the information. Um, you know, the syllabus, the coursework, quizzes, yep. even a link, a link that to the Zoom session um, or recordings of all previous Zoom sessions. So uh, it's pretty well integrated. I mean, there's still some work to be done, but um, our goal is always to make it as easy for a student as possible, right? So they're not clicking here or over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that the user experience, um, you know, nope. it's, it's, it's not too bad. I mean, it, there's always work to be done, like I said, but I think we make it as easy as for them as possible. And what, so Canvas and Blackboard, you had mentioned last time, a a more robust video conferencing experience is that built into Blackboard or what were you guys you know what what were we looking to do in the future there? Uh, I mean, Zoom is uh, I, I think at Blackboard I think had a some kind of video conferencing system built into it, but um, Zoom is was pretty much what we used. And the university picked up a Zoom site license very quickly uh, back in March of. 2020. Um, but uh, what we're looking at is is a different product and it kind of, um, yeah, it's really for the, I think the instructor, it helps them get a better feel for the remote students and the students get a, kind of an interface on their end that has a lot more options than Zoom. There might be like four different feeds, uh, four different video feeds. Uh, you know, the chats right there, other tools for quizzing and things like that are all just kind of a little more intuitive. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Zoom, you know, to kind of just builds these kind of features or Teams, you know, Teams has been a pretty big player. Uh, it is actually possible to, to maybe get an educational experience that might be better than actually sitting in the classroom. You know, it sounds weird. Yeah, I think uh, for those larger, you know, hundred person plus classes, you probably could get a better experience. With, um, like you said, with quizzes, chatting, hand raising, multiple different camera angles, maybe demonstrations. I mean, maybe not a lab environment, like a chemistry lab. Certainly not. Yeah. Um, uh, but certain large lecture halls, I would imagine, that could be very beneficial. Yeah, I mean, that could even mean you know, down the road you don't need those big lecture halls, which are none of them are, they're very hard to design. Mm -hmm. None of them are, are, they take a lot of space, a lot of resources. They cost a ton of money. Um, yeah, those might be a thing of the past. 
Mm. Um, and then, you know, maybe you deliver those online, those hundred level classes. And, uh, you know, you have the in-person experience for the higher level classes. We, we talked about this aspect of an IT community last time and versus an IT department or an IT hierarchy, hierarchy, so to speak. Can you maybe just expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think higher, higher education IT is like unique and, um, you know, think about all different places you could choose to work at, you know. Um, I, I, when I was younger, I, I, I pretty much knew I wanted to work at a university because I liked just the feeling it had, um, you know, it was a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you felt like you're a part of a community. And I, you know, I still feel the same way to that to today after 20 some years working at universities. But um, explain that though. I, yeah, I, I mean, get it. I mean, I, I can understand it because I can remember what it was like being in college, I guess, in high school. But, you know, I just, I just maybe dig just, it's interesting because I never really thought of that. I don't know if many people in the IT field think necessarily think about, I don't know if they think about choosing where they work and maybe putting a lot of thought into that, like in-depth thought into choosing a winner when it comes to a job and like maybe where you want to be. I think, and a lot of times the theme, and I asked that because the theme that I want to ask IT guys all the time is like, well, what's your end game? You're not, are you just going to stay at in IT manufacturing forever? I mean, the company is probably going to sell eventually or something's going to happen and you're going to be IT director or CTO or CIO at another company, but what's the end game? And if I asked you that question, how would you answer it? It would yeah. be probably, no, I love the community. I'll be here till, uh, I don't know, like I'm like the, you know, wrinkled up old IT guy walking down, you know, maybe on some, I don't know. Would you be walking down the hall? Who knows wherever we'll be in the future? But I'm just, you know, is there an end game or is it just like, no, I'm, I'm riding this one out? <laughs> well, I mean, the benefits... Um, I mean, typically you don't get paid as much as you would in the corporate world. I mean, that's, you know, that's to be expected, I think. Um, but there are the, the other benefits, you know, such as your own education is typically covered or very heavily discounted yep. as well as your spouse and your children. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people, once they get into, you know, have some kids in eighth grade, high school, whatever, you know, they're riding that for another eight, 10 years, right? Because <laughs> they're saving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the back end there. That's Can't we write a book or something free. though? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, there's, there's typically very good uh, retirement benefits and things like that. It may, it may make it hard for you to leave. You have to really have a good opportunity that where the money you just can't deny, you know, to to leave, um, which is why a lot of people don't leave. It doesn't happen. Uh, no one's get, no one's paying some, no one's paying that much unless it's something really crazy. Um, yeah. What's, I think once you get to a certain level, you start getting, uh, you know, calls from outside agencies and things like that, you know, um, but you know, had they, it has to be really worthwhile to, to beat the other benefits yep, again, yep. especially with, with children. I mean, they got to throw you another couple hundred, Couple yeah. hundred thousand or something, right? To be worthwhile, it's yeah, um, maybe yeah, two, three hundred thousand, yeah. Which, like yeah. I said, is probably rare. For, um, the and uh, you know, like I said, like I mean, like 
there's a different kind of community feel, I think, to universities. I mean, they're like little cities in a lot of ways. You know, there's a lot of different things you can do and a lot of interesting things happening there that you just aren't going to find, I think, in your corporate world. How's the um, work-life balance? Well, obviously, that's 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 been on everyone's radar more so than ever in the last year and a half, two years. Um, I know at Pitt, they're, they're very concerned about making sure that that's an important aspect of retention of employees, of attracting employees. Um, like what goes know, so on in the summertime? What do you do in the summertime? Yeah, well, we don't, <laughs> summer, that's always a confusing thing. Like, oh, do, do you have off in the summer? I'm like, no, that's when we're super busy doing projects, yeah. implementing things that uh, we can do. That's our worst yeah. time. Because <laughs> that's, when, that's when we can have downtime. Yeah, so okay. that's that's typically busier time. All right, um, so what's the summer project? What do we got going on for this summer? Uh, well, this summer, probably some classrooms. Um, <laughs> what can I have some vendors call you about and try to sell you something? <laughs> <I don't, laughs> like, yeah, that's, only, that's a good question, my, Phil. You know, we're looking for, no. Yeah, um, no, my phone rings from vendors all day long. It's never anybody that wants to really talk to me. <laughs> who's, the, who's the number one? Who's the number one? Who's the number one vendor? I'm just curious. Like, which I should do an aspect of the show that's like number one vendor call. Like, what is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, who calls you? I'm just curious. Like, what's the most common vendor call? Uh, probably uh, staffing agencies. Interesting. Yeah, staffing agencies. So they're the biggest. They're the biggest churn and burn people. Well, for for me, I mean, I'm sure other areas have trying to staff it. for you or trying to hire you. Something. No, to to provide staff to augment, you know, our current staff. Do you um, need Do you need help desk? Do you need this? Do you need that? Or they? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's big business now. Um, most universities don't outsource that, but um, yeah. is it hard to find good? Is it hard to find good staff? Do you do? I, per, let me ask you this. Do you do any of the hiring? I do. Um, this is like red light for calls. Yeah, oh, I should yeah. ask you this. <laughs> no, I don't, Phil. I don't do any yeah. of it at all. If you were yeah. to do any of the hiring, uh, yeah. what would you... Is it hard to find good IT staff? Uh, you know, I mean, I haven't really had a hard time. Um, I was for somebody that... You know, I'm not going to micromanage anybody. Uh -huh. if, if I have to do that, you're pretty much on your way out. <laughs> Do you prefer, do they have to have degrees? Do they have to have certifications? What are you looking for? Yeah. No, I, I mean, obviously we work at a university, so a degree is important, but I have hired people that didn't have degrees that, you know, their experience just outweighs that. Um, so, um, yeah. Okay. So for example, this is, this is key because I've always asked this. So <laughs> in your opinion, where does experience outweigh, where does that tip the scale? What, what what has just been like, oh, wow, I don't care what you whether you have a degree or not, I, I'm hiring you because why? Well, a certain amount of years of experience certainly outweighs education. It depends on like the, uh, you know, the area of expertise, if it's, you know, programming or things like that. Um, I think a degree is probably less important, but <clears throat> and is that just uh, because straight experience, there's certain things that a degree can't teach? Yeah, I mean, you know, certain things that you can't get a degree in, right? Um, certainly a degree, I, I think, is very important. But, you know, if someone's life didn't take them down that journey, they'll work at the university and they have an opportunity to pursue that. 
that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So, I know it's a uh, tough question to asking you because you work at a university. It's mm-hmm. a tough question to ask someone that you know where your entire everything that you support is getting people degrees. Um, but it's an interesting theme that comes up a lot: is how badly do you need a degree in technology or a degree in anything for that aspect? Because so much of everything we learn in life comes from real hands-on experience. And I'm trying to think of something where we get a degree in something that helps so much. Certainly writing, only because I got a degree in creative writing, but look at me, I work in, you know, IT. So there's like a, a perfect, you know, a perfect example of like, I can write pretty darn good emails, okay? And I've got proof of that. You know, people have told me, Phil, this is the best email I've ever received in my life. They do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. I make sure that it's very comical and worth reading, okay? Because sometimes, yeah, you know, I mean, look at if I look at my email box right now, I don't know about you, but I've got 103,000 unread emails. And there's a certain, you know, there's always that, what's your philosophy? Keep your inbox empty or use email as a database? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I used to be, you know, that was my task list. I kept it, you know, under 50 or so. And I uh-huh. shuffled things away, categorized them, put them in folders when they were done for reference. Oh. And then over, over the over the uh, pandemic, I, I just had to let that go. So <laughs> I, I don't delete anything now. And there's, you know, probably 100,000 in it. I, I've read them all. Christopher Driscoll let himself go over the, <laughs> over the, I let myself go. It's over now. Yeah. yeah. I, there's just no going back for me. There's absolutely no going back for me. I've thought of the, the, what do they call that? When you just do like a complete wipe of your email and you just hit delete all. No, that would, I think I would, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't sleep with myself if I deleted my, if I just did a complete, you know, like, atomic wipe of my email. It would be disastrous. The problem is that there are things that could fall through the cracks this way. Like I'll flag a message to come back to it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, after a while, you just can't keep track of all those either. So I think email is kind of on its way out in my opinion, but. Okay. Where are we going? I, I, we use Salesforce for tracking all of our cases. So I keep everything in there. Um, Salesforce and yeah, a university makes sense from a business standpoint, of course, because you're in the business school. Um, keep going. I want to hear more about how great Salesforce is for you guys. <laughs> well, I implemented Salesforce. There was an enterprise, <laughs> there was an enterprise uh-huh. implementation, but I, I implemented it within our own school for our own school's use. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean. Um, so how does your school use Salesforce? Mostly for a CRM functionality. So it's. Um, you know, career advisors, uh, keeping in communication with students, you know, otherwise that communication is sitting in their inbox, which isn't helping anybody else. You know, if that person leaves or if you want to keep a record of this, you know, it goes away. Was there a custom um, dev work? Was there a custom? So is a student like a, a like a client or like, do we look at students? Is there, So in other words, in Salesforce, how did you guys do custom dev work and how how is yours set up? Is the student like the customer? Uh, well, they can be in that situation. You know, we also keep track of you know communications with employers. Uh-huh. So again, you know, we have uh, you know, potential employer is a is a contact record, and we have their information, and we see all the history of communications with them, and we can market to them as well. Um, uh-huh. So it's only about a two years old in our school, but. Yeah. You know, otherwise, this stuff was all kept in people's personal inboxes. 
which wasn't helping anybody else. Um, so yeah, there's a reason why it's. So <laughs> let's say does it, one do CRM. Teacher, well, yeah, yeah, but do teachers use mm-hmm. this? So would a teacher go and use Salesforce? Faculty, no, no. Okay, okay. It's mostly on a staff end. Okay. Um, is every student in Salesforce? Uh, they're not like a user, but they're a, a record. Yeah, yeah like gets. a record and would have yeah. like, a, you know, because you said email is dying. So I'm just trying to think of how we replace. Yeah. Like, what Well, that's the problem though, is that the, the information that's going to keep in Salesforce is the email history, right? Yeah. So email didn't exist. And then what was Salesforce keep track of phone numbers? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but as far as like- Instagram my, handles, yeah, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, I don't know, any of that yeah. stuff. I don't know. Text messages? Texting? Do you have texting integrated? We do, but it hasn't really taken off. Um, I, I think that's always been kind of like a slippery slope. Like, I mean, I'm in my CRM looking at your name right now. It has the notes. We've got bullet points. No tasks. There's not really task here. There's activity. Definitely shows the conversation that we've had, emails back and forth. If there's a text message, it would integrate text messaging as well. I'm not using Salesforce. I did use Salesforce. But the thing, um, you know, for kind of like a startup podcast, it would be, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it would be hard for me to do it. That's a big lift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just not going to do it. Um, But yes, this... um, uh, fascinating to see how Salesforce would be used in, in all these different things. And maybe we can, it would be great. Salesforce, you should, uh, you know, I don't know, sponsor dissecting popular IT nerds and give me some, give me a dev staff and we'll, you know. Well, you can actually go in and roll up your own Salesforce work for, for sure. Uh, for sure. For learning purposes, I'm sure you probably could get away with it. That would, yes, along with mm-hmm. eight million other things that I have to do. Yeah. So, I'm on list. Uh, so, so without getting too far off track, I don't even know what we're on track with, but the idea, I guess the theme is around where you work in IT, why you work in IT, and being part of a community or that feel of a university feel as opposed to kind of a, I don't know, top down hierarchy, so to speak. How are you? And I st- say the IT staff. How big is the IT staff? Uh, well, it's it's unique now that um, the staff that I had are all put into different departments within mm-hmm. our the bigger IT organizations. So, how do you guys uh, communicate? Was, how do you guys communicate? What's your most? Uh, we're we're a Microsoft shop, so we use Teams um, for all of our meetings and chats and everything like that. So. Um, you know, we obviously have meetings periodically. I still get the group together. Um, we all have work all cases together, things like that. So, and we don't do go in the office together uh, still as well. Um, so we do need to support people on campus face-to-face. Do you guys have a vision, mission statement, anything like that that you guys are, are pushing to support well, at the university? Well, yeah, it's funny you should ask that. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the IT organization actually brought in the Disney Institute to help us work with all that. So we do have a new kind of uh, mission statement, so to speak, and you know things that we our values uh, that we feel are most important to us. So um, <clears throat> that that's just kind of all came together actually in the last month or two. So what's, uh, give me something mind blowing out of that, that came out of that. 
Well, I got a handy one pager sheet right here. That's something I guess. <laughs> that, you know, just so you know, for everyone out there listening, this is this is not filled in with pencils or anything. This actually looks like a professional slick that was printed out on an all color. I don't even did that even come did that come from a university printing machine or did that come from somewhere else? I think I printed it perfectly. <laughs> okay, good. So this is the yeah. propaganda, uh, school propaganda, um, in a good way. What do we got for vision, mission statement, what we're moving towards? Yeah, I, I don't think anything is any of this is proprietary. So um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hope not. <laughs> uh, well, you know, just give me the high level then. Give me something. Yeah. You know, in other words, how does it help being having a central? Is this a mission statement for the IT staff or the all of the university in general? No, this is for the IT organization. Okay. Yeah. So our you know our, our top four uh, service standards are uh, security, uh, connection liability and resourcefulness in that order. And yeah, I think it goes into a little more detail of, of each of those. Uh, we do have a common purpose statement. Um, so I, mean, I think it's pretty good actually. Some of these things can be kind of cheesy and I'm not one of the guys that tends to like just kind of, you know, I want the cheesiest. I want the cheesiest thing on that list. <laughs> What's the cheesiest thing there? Oh man, you're going to be in trouble. Okay, we don't have to do it then. But I mean, <laughs> security. I mean, well, that, that was interesting. Yeah, that's the number one. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, they that that makes sense when they asked us to kind of they presented the four uh, to us and they asked us to rank them. Uh-huh. I didn't put security at the top of my list, honestly. But, yeah, I would have um, done it backwards. If from a business from a business perspective, if you look at a greedy business owner. <laughs> I'm, you know, the, the purpose of a business is to make money. I'm, I'm, you know, being a little bit, is facetious the right word here? I am talking, we are, we are talking with the university here. But anyways, I would think that most people would put this backwards. And in fact, most security guys are going to be upset. Uh, I mean, or be happy with what you said because security number one, whereas most of the time they're fighting because, I would say that most businesses in general are thinking IT needs to be a resource and provide and, and be resourceful and provide, you know, keep the cash register open, make money mm-hmm. for the company and then not be a liability. And, um, well, I, all I can tell you is that it better not go down. And then that would be connectivity and, you know, well, security, we haven't had any breaches yet. So yeah, it's important, but, um, you know, yeah, make sure nothing happens. But you guys did the opposite way, which is fantastic. Why? Well, I mean, at a university, you know, it does have a bottom line, but I don't, I'm not bottom <laughs> line driven, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is, uh, it is a, a business. There's a budget. Yeah. There's a budget. There's a business. It's a yeah. business. Uh-huh. Uh, the motivation is different. And uh, uh, I think this reflects that, right? Um, so, yeah, security. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think if I was, the CIO, I would probably have that at the top of my list. You know, that's what, that's what keeps you up at night, right? These are um, the biggest things that stop you. Security shuts the universe. I mean, security breach shut things down. Uh, connectivity, everything's just not working, period. Uh, what's what's uh, around liability? This is interesting. Why is that third? And what were some of the bullet points that came up? Or what, yeah, reliability. Um, yeah, it's talking about having a consistent and trustworthy experience. Oh, reliability. Reliability. Yeah. Oh, not not, not liability. Liability. Yeah. I'm thinking what the, okay. Reliability. Yeah. Okay. That's the lawyers didn't get their hands on it. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. This is outstanding. Okay. 
Um, but th- then you guys have to actually put together, you know, plans or in, in different kind of action items and, and things around this. Yeah. So now we're, you know, in the, in the phase where we're talking about, you know, how do we put this into action? How do, how do our, uh, the things we do reflect upon or, or how are they driven by this framework? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great to have this because otherwise, you know, would things move along probably, but, uh, I think to have a kind of that North star really is pretty helpful. And, um, I'm glad to see that, you know, we're bringing in, uh, something that's the same, the same the level of Disney Institute, mm-hmm. obviously they're, that's their business, right? Is making people happy at the happiest place on, in the world, I guess. Right. So, um, so yeah, I feel like leadership's moving everything in the right direction. Is there, um, uh, as far as the, you know, mission statement or vision for the team, is there anything else around these, these four bullet points or a mission that is there like something like, Hey, we're trying to accomplish this in 2022. No, I think it's more broad than that. Yeah. It's not like specific goals of, you know, we want to implement this new enterprise system by the end of 2022 There's nothing, you know, it doesn't speak to any of those kind of specific goals. Yeah. But those goals, those things should all be driven by, meaning what's outlined in our service gotcha. uh, standards, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. What is the, <clears throat> so when you guys have security though, is there, I mean, do we have, do we have pen testers? Do we have anything like that? When we go, when we talk about security, are we doing, you know, like, Hey, we got to step up our, our fishing, fishing game, you know, like what, what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, um, there's this pretty uh, in-depth security review of any new application that, uh, you know, is considered. Uh, so you have a good, secu- you have security, a pretty serious security policy in place already. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, you know, we've had a duo authentication well since I've been there for the last four or five years. Um, which actually <laughs> was one of the services that I guess is run on AWS that went down briefly today. Um, Hmm. <laughs> connectivity, but, uh, connectivity, check. Uh, yeah, security, uh, check. <laughs> Reliability, check. Um, how resourceful were you guys on getting around that? Yeah. Well, there are other ways to, to other things you can do to get around some of that when it does go down. But <clears throat> um, no, I got you. Yeah, I, I feel like we do, we do take uh, security very seriously, um, and there are you know they they do send out kind of phishing tests mm-hmm. uh the faculty and staff um which you know I, they're pretty good actually i don't know if we write them internally if it's they're purchased through a program or what but um i would love that job i would i yeah. think you know if it came down to money not being an issue yeah i would love to work at a university and just write phishing emails i'd love to just write <laughs> phishing emails in general maybe you know like the phishing guy maybe i could be known as the Best fit. There's got to be like the best fisher out there, as you know. That sure King. Is, is, I mean, there's. Yeah, that's wow. It's a great. Look at what we're coming up with here. Um, but is there a guy that's known for writing the best fishing emails? There's got to be someone. He's the oh, best yeah, fisher. The best yeah. fisher, Phil Fisher. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, fisher, um, outstanding. What's the most exciting, fun thing about your job? 
Uh, I think it's like working with all the different faculty and staff. I mean, um, I, since I worked at you know, so many universities, I were always was in a different discipline, whether it's law or science, now business. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of interesting people doing a lot of interesting things, you know, research and, um, you know, the way they look at the world or different topics and such. So getting to know people over time, um, I, I really like that. So uh, that's one of the things I think it's really hard to to do online, you know, with everybody remote. I really get concerns about what that looks like, you know, when we're post-pandemic and people can actually be on site, you know, are people, what's that going to look like, you know? Mm. Um, how do you have a culture around everyone sitting in their homes 24 um, seven? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, how do you have a culture when everyone's sitting in their home? Yeah. Cause you know, if you work in the corporate world, uh, doing the same thing, making twice as much, maybe. <laughs> I mean, what's the difference at that point, right? Mm. Not advocating for that by any means or saying that's what I'm interested in, but um. I, I don't know. I have no clue around the answer yeah. to that, but it's certainly, how do you have a culture when everyone's plugged into the matrix and not moving and in a pod somewhere on a Zoom call? How do you have a culture? Um, I mean, you're still talking with people. We still use the telephone, I guess. Kind of. Um, it's just a great question. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll figure that out. Someone yeah. figure that out. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, outstanding to see a different perspective from, you know, IT in a larger, I guess, enterprise university um, environment. I think it's just something to be said for other IT people that are growing up in the world and looking to get into IT um, or or choosing where they want to work. I think the university might be the the place for for a lot of people. Just like you said, because of the culture, uh, the relationships, and just a an, a completely different feel. And uh, an ability to connect with a vast array of different types of, you know, people that are passionate about all kinds of different things. And you still have Salesforce. So, hey, there you go. <laughs> ah, Phil, that's a great, that's actually probably the best summary I've ever heard of. <laughs> so, um, so, kudos to you. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that uh, there, there's, there are a lot of university jobs out there um, in IT. Um, if you look for them, you can find them. Thank you so much so. for being on the show, sir. Thank you, Phil.